Um, really excited to be here this morning with you guys. Kids, you can be dismissed, or you're just tired of me already, you're just leaving. And so, um, so Luke asked me to preach this week, um, which I was very excited to do. And uh, I said, well, what should I preach on? And he said, um, well, what is your prayer for covenant for 2017? And I said, right now it's more room. <laughs> but no, um, it, uh, it was a few things. And, you know, I've been here since the beginning. Covenant's very unique to me personally because I met Tracy here. And, you know, this is like every year is a marking of our little life together. And to do life with you guys the past six years has been the greatest joy of my life. Just, uh, just to be fully honest. And to see all that God has done through some really messed up people, to be honest with you. Um, we've all talked to each other. We all know. And uh, to do this with y'all, to y'all know my stuff, I know your stuff, and that we're still here and God is still working. And that over the past few years, we've seen marriages restored. We've seen uh, addictions crushed. We've seen uh, people get a heart for adoption. We've seen neighborhoods changed. We've seen all these things happen. And to sit back and think about what is next, I think is the big question uh, of what I kind of wrestle with. And, and in thinking about this, um, you probably feel a, a bit of this with me. You know, we do this every single week. We're, we're doing life and community and neighborhoods together. We set all this stuff up. We watch kids. We do this. And here's the thing for me and for you as well probably. It is really easy to just show up, try to, do, try to do our best, and do some good, and go home. Like, that's kind of what we default to most times, is that uh, we're tired, there's a lot of stuff going on, so we just come up and do our part and move on. And, and here's my prayer and my heart for us. That God will truly do a supernatural work in your life, in my life, in our church together, and then in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, in our city. Not just a, a show of every week and we see a few good things done, but for God to miraculously show up, for your actual desires to change, for the way you live your life to change, for the patience you show to your kids, that's a supernatural work to change. For the way that you actually treat the people around you. For the way that we're not afraid of what's going on around our world. We have nothing to fear. That God would do a supernatural work and change us. And so I was thinking about this. And, um, and that's great to say that. But, but what are we going to look at in God's word? That was the question that I had. And Tracy was singing uh, Psalms 1 uh, earlier this week. Because Tracy sings the Psalms all the time. And uh, she really blessing in the Psalms. And, um, and I read it a few weeks ago in my devotion, and it's one of those Psalms 1. It's just a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I started looking into it, and God just really put it on my heart. So we're going to read it. So if we all could just stand up for me, um, I'd appreciate that. And we're going to read from God's Word in Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. 
and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And so in this text, so if we want to see this supernatural work lived out in our lives, there's, there's a way, there's the way, the way of Jesus that we, we see here that I pray for us this next year, that I pray for myself in this next year. Because all cards on the table, this is one of those weeks for me where um, I was impatient all week long with my kids. I was confessed to Tracy probably a dozen times this week and me just not being loving and kind to my own children, right? We understand that, don't we? And so what we need is to see the way. So here's the first thing in in the three prayers I have for us, is for us to be joyful. To be joyful, that we will be, our lives will be marked with joy. Look at verse two. It says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. It says he is like a tree planted by streams of water. See, this, this law of the Lord really is the way of God, the, the ways of Jesus. What he's delighting in and meditating on is the nature and the character and the ways of God. And the good news for us, we have this kind of even extra special layer to this. We get to delight and meditate on the gospel. We just sang this beautiful song that talks about God's great love for us. And we have this clear picture of the cross and the resurrection of his good news to set us free that we to truly delight, we must meditate on. And so here's the thing that I kept coming back to this week. How do we cultivate this joy? I had Huddle a week or two ago and we kept talking about this over and over again. Well, how do we in our lives Because there is so many things to do. There's so many burdens. There's so much brokenness in our lives and the lives around us. So how do we live, how do we cultivate lives of joy? Here's a problem for us. We know how to entertain ourselves for a day. I, I feel like our world nowadays is built on just kind of entertaining ourselves for a day through watching TV, surfing the internet, all these different things. We can entertain ourselves for an afternoon. But we're not good at cultivating true joy. Does that make sense? It's, isn't it fleeting in your life many times? We sing this, this song with this huge importance and significance, but yet our joy is so fleeting. We forget the gospel too much. So the first thing we kind of see here in this idea of cultivating joy, we see it in verse 1, is that we must not dabble in sin. Look at this right here. It says here, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We see him walking. You're kind of walking by, you're kind of doing your own thing. But then the next phrase it says this, nor stands in the way of sinners. So he's walking, but then something appeals to him and he stands. He stops. He looks around, he investigates, he lingers. Then finally, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He's walking, then he sees it, he stands to look, and finally he just sits in it. 
He revels in it. It is who defines him now is what he's doing in this moment. And then he scoffs at the things of God. So it starts off as a, a wicked person, a person who doesn't know God. Then it's a sinner, someone who's actively sinning against God. And finally, when you're sitting in this, when you're reveling in this, you're scoffing and speaking against God. I was reminded of this this week that, um, like I told you, I was a little impatient this week. Um, uh, in my devotions, I'm going through the Bible, and I was in Genesis 19. And just so you know, Genesis is a little crazy. Um, God uses some twisted things and twisted people in his redemption plan. And so I am uh, in this part about Lot. And if you don't know who Lot is, he was Abraham's nephew. And uh, he was in this place called Sodom. And there was so much sin and depravity and uh, darkness in this city that God was going to destroy it. But God sent his angels to warn Lot and his family to get out. And in this passage, I'm not going to read it to you. He goes, and he just, the entire time, he's, they're saying, get out, Lot. And, and Lot just, he's not listening. And look at verse, look at verse 16, Genesis 19, 16. It's not on the screen, so look in your Bible. Verse 16, it says, but he lingered. This angel is warning him, listen, this is going to be destroyed. Get out. And what does Lot do? He lingered. So the men, the angel seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, literally grabbed them. The Lord, here's, here's just what jumped out at me. The Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city, outside the destruction. This right here is the crux of the gospel. When we lingered in our sin, when we lingered in our sin, when you lingered in your sin, God was merciful to you. God was merciful. God is merciful to me. And he grabbed my hand, grabbed your hand, and set us out from destruction. It's this gospel, it's this good news that leads to delight. And it's this thing that, as we preach to ourselves over and over again, that cultivates true joy. As we sing songs like today, it cultivates true joy. Look at verse 3. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. I, re I pray that we become experts in this. We become experts on how to plant ourselves in the stream of God. Because you see here, the scoffer plants himself in sin. But the one who delights in God plants himself by the stream of God. So what you're doing, you're not really doing anything except planting yourself for God to work in your life. Does that make sense? We are planting ourselves in these things, in this stream of God's work. And so there's three things that we're going to talk through on how we cultivate this joy. So we, we, we don't dabble in sin. We, we, we don't... Um, kind of investigate it, look at it, stand by it, and then just kind of revel in we, we don't do that. We reject that. We, we flee from that. And we're reminded as we lingered in our sin, God rescued us from our sin. But the first thing we see here in verse 2 is that we must meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's ways. Meditate on the gospel. Verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This must be 
the calling card of your life. This must be, so, so a lot of you I think are known for the way you do your work, being on time, doing a good job, doing all these things. And that's a great thing. But even greater than that is if our lives are marked, are defined by meditating on God's words. And I'll tell you this, if you're lacking joy, I'm not saying going through a hard time, I'm saying going through a a mourning period, but lacking joy, many times it's connected to not meditating on God's word, not reading God's word, not looking at your phone for five minutes, but actually sitting and stopping and meditating, letting God speak to you, writing it down, praying it the rest of the day to yourself, telling your spouse about it, telling your kids about it, meditating on God's words. Listen, literally, it was Wednesday morning. I was literally in a funk, and I read this jacked-up story about Lot. It gets weirder as you keep going, trust me. I read this crazy story, and God just jumps out at me that he showed Lot mercy. And in spite of my sin, even it may seem tricky right now, the way I treated my family, and he brought me back into the fold. And sometimes um, I do this too. But we say this phrase, I'm just too busy. I got to be at this time for work. And then I read this quote from John Piper. And so I apologize for this quote. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook, we'd approve at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Enjoy that one. Um, we have time. The question is, what are we giving our lives to? Does that make sense? The one the, the, the call on our life is to cultivate this heart for God, to cultivate this joy for God. So we meditate on God's word. Second, we recount God's works. Look at Psalms 9. Psalms 9 verse 1. It says, thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. This is preaching the gospel to yourself. We know the gospel in our heads, but many times our hearts, our lives, our circumstances take our eyes off of this. We have to become experts at preaching this good news to ourselves over and over and over again. To remind yourself that God is merciful. I am the greatest judge of my life and the worst judge of my life. Does that make sense? We have to remind ourselves that God is merciful even as we've lingered in our sin. That he loves us. We must look at what God has done in our lives. Not in the past week, but the past 10 years. Where were you 10 years ago? How has God changed your heart? How has God changed you? We must look at these things and thank God for these things. As Jesus followers, we should be the most grateful people in the world. Many times, we just grumble. We must look at what God has done. And we must constantly be thankful at the blessings of our lives. Yes, you have trials. Yes, I have trials. Yes, there are tough things in the world. There are, that is true. We also are overwhelmed with the blessings of God. So to cultivate this joy... We must recount the works of God. Last thing here. We must have community. So we must meditate on God's word. Recount the works of God. And last, community. Hebrews 10. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I can't tell you, there is, there is not a Christian faith, a Christian walk, apart from doing it with others. It's an American idea that we have this private faith. That's not a biblical idea. The only way this is done is in the midst of community. And that happens on lots of levels. I can't tell you, if you're, I'll just tell you, if you're a, man in this, a man in this room, you have a, a wife and a kid and kids, Sunday morning should be a sacred time. Just say that very lovingly. And bl- it should be a sacred time where our family is going to gather here on Sundays because my heart needs to be cultivated. My spouse's heart needs to be cultivated. Your kids' hearts need to be cultivated. There is something supernatural about gathering with the body of Christ, partaking in communion together, and the body and the blood. There is something supernatural about that. God has wired us, designed us to sing together. And when you come, and we come expectant, and we come ready, we feel that, don't you? Your hearts are lifted up as we sing together as the body of Christ. God has wired that in us. And somehow in our minds and our hearts, we kind of push it aside as kind of if we have time. And I, I understand that. But if, it, if it's our heart's mission to cultivate this heart for God, we must not forsake gathering together. You must not forsake confessing sins to each other. As that sin lingers, we talked about as we kind of walk by it and then stand by it and then kind of sit in and revel in it. The beauty of the body of Christ is that we have a chance to confess quickly. As you're walking by that sin, as you're getting fearful, or you're becoming lustful, becoming greedy, becoming worried, don't sin in it. Confess that and keep moving on. We desperately need the body of God. So that is how we see to cultivate this joy for God. But it's not, I don't just pray for us to be joyful, because if we're just joyful, and it's just temporary, we must also be durable. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. He's describing not the body of God, the body of Christ, describing the wicked, but I feel like many times we would define our life, and it feels like we're like chaff that the wind blows away. That we are good on Tuesday and jacked up on Wednesday. Many times that's just how we feel. But the truth is that is not God's heart for us. Yes, there's going to be hard times. You see that in Psalms. You do. But there is this durability, this steadfastness, this trust in the work of God. Durability is all about deep roots. You know, things that don't blow away are things that have really deep roots. Many of us are more concerned about the looks to others than actually the roots of what's going on in our hearts. We spend all this time making these things look good. I do this, I do this way too well. Just, I really do. We, we talk about the things that went well, how we did this, how we did this. 
because we work so hard to make this fruit look good. Why inside, many times we're just rotting, rotting, rotting. Many times we feel the weakness of our faith through our circumstances when they make us waver. When things are tough, we say this phrase, well, it'll get better in a month or two. Well, when this happens, I'll be okay. What's happening there is our circumstances are our functional God in that moment. And so God has much better things planned for us. And, but here's the good news of this. When we're aware of this, when we're aware that our circumstances are taking away our joy. Listen, I, I want to I say this. Jesus wept. I, I don't think when we mourn or we cry, that means that we are being sinful. It does not at all. But when we begin to move into worry and anxiousness, that's a lack of joy right there. But here's the good news. When we see this kind of coming up in our lives, this, um, this worry, these circumstances are kind of tossing us back and forth. And we're aware of this. God is making you aware. He is lovingly allowing these things in your life to produce deeper roots, deeper trust in him. Because if you've experienced this at all, whenever you're going through the tough things in life, when you put yourself out there, when you don't know how God's going to work and you're kind of forced in the moment to trust him, deep roots are happening in that moment. So right now, I think many of us in this room are in that moment when the circumstances are tough. There is sickness. There's just brokenness around us. And we're feeling it right now. My prayer for us is that we don't just have joy. We have durable joy. We have lasting joy. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We suffer with hope. That is lasting joy right there. We have this supernatural thing God has given to us, that God is doing. That's the beauty of tough circumstances for a Christian, is that we know God's at work right now. Even as hard as it may seem, God is at work. Durability is also about having an eternal view of things. We don't mourn as with those who have no hope. We mourn with a great, great hope. And so we're going through difficulties. We are given this gift. Look at verse 5 and 6 in Psalms 1. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We know that God knows us. We know we have this eternal relationship with God. So when we have these sufferings, when we have these trials, we have a great hope. But here's, here's the truth. is Jesus fully understands this. Because I can't imagine a darker moment on that cross. And then when Jesus died. And then when he was put in that tomb. That was the darkest moment in the history of the world. Because in that moment, there seemed to be no hope. 
But here's why we have lasting joy. Because the story doesn't end there. The tomb is rolled away and our Savior has defeated sin and death and we have hope in him. That's how we cultivate a lasting joy. And joy is not the absence of tears, but it's the unshakable hope in the midst of your tears. Tears are coming. I cry like three times a week. That's just the way it is. Tears are coming. But the beauty for the people of God is that we have unshakable joy and hope in the midst of our tears. So I'm, I'm praying for us to be joyful people, to be durable people, and lastly, for us to be fruitful people. Listen, this great joy that's, that lasts and is durable is not just for you. We have this great thing, this great God who has worked in our lives, and we should celebrate that, but it's not just for us. Look here at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, and here it comes, that yields its fruit in its season. So as we are planted by the works of God, planted by his gospel, as he's working in us, listen, there should be fruit that is produced. And here's also the thing. You notice the fruit is not for the tree. Like the tree doesn't eat the fruit. But this fruit nourishes, enriches, gives growth to others. And the same is true for us. So here's a question I have for you that I've asked myself this week. Look around your life. Who is benefiting from how God is at work in your life? Who is benefiting? It's a sobering question to ask. Who is benefiting? Who is nourished from being around you? Because if we have this unshakable, lasting joy, that should nourish others. People should see that, and it should lead to them being like, what's wrong with you? Why are you always like this? Are the things you're doing to nourish others is it forced or natural? Because uh, uh, an apple tree produces apples. And so we don't make fruit happen. We just plant ourselves by the stream. And if we don't see fruit coming, or if we're trying to force things to happen, we're going outside the work of God. And so real quickly, who should you be nourishing? In Scripture, we see very clear things. You should be nourishing your brother and sister in Christ. The, the, the body of Christ should be better because you're a part of the body of Christ. Just you being there and walking as a believer in Jesus should nourish those brothers and sisters around you. Your family, your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad, your sister, your cousins, they should be nourished by your life. Many times, I do this myself, we write off our family. We know them so well. We know their thoughts so well. We know their sins so well. We think, oh, they will never, never know Jesus. No, no. We are to be around them and to nourish them and ultimately disciples of them. The poor. The poor should be better because covenant church is here. There should be less hungry people because we are here. There should be less needy people in your neighborhood because you're serving them. Because as you plant yourself by the streams, naturally you're going to produce fruits. The orphan. 
There should be less orphans among us because we, the body of Christ, are caring for and living and housing orphans. It's that simple. That should be natural fruit from walking with God. Your neighbor. This is the thing that we're praying to reclaim in, in, in our communities, in our city, in this area. Is that our neighbors, beyond a shadow of a doubt, will see something different by our, by our lives. This is really about access to your life. This is not about some great grand plan you're doing. This is about you allowing access to, from those people into your life. That's going to mean you're going to have to push some things to the side in order to give those access to see this joy in your life. And access, I would say, is intentional and consistent. By intentional, here's what I mean. When you go to a restaurant, your primary interest is not the food. It's that you are going to find people who are far away from God and let them see and experience this great joy. Intentional means that you pray for these people by name, daily, weekly, monthly. You're praying for these people. And consistent means this is not like a lay down your track and walk away. This means you're giving your life to them over and over and over and over again. Robert Weber says this, The church's mission is to show the world what it looks like when a community of people live under the reign of God. We are giving the world a picture of what true joy looks like. And then the question I have for us, are we cultivating this joy? Or are we reveling and entertaining ourselves with trivial, trivial things? Are we allowing enough space in our lives to give access to those around us to see this joy? Or do we have activity after activity after activity? My prayer for us is that in six, 16, 60 years, there are all these fruit-producing trees throughout Blanchard, Shreveport, Bossier, Houghton, Minden, Ruston, all these places around us, that there's just these trees that are cultivating, that have unshakable hope in the midst of great suffering. So for you today, there's a couple of steps I have for us. Your step today, might, you might need to learn how to cultivate joy in your life. Every day could be a struggle, a fight, and there is a fight for this, there is. But where you just feel a lack of joy, I would challenge you to become an expert at cultivating joy in your life. Make it the calling card of your life to meditate on his word. Learn how in your own life to recount the works of God. Make it a priority to be faithful to gather with believers, to sing songs that lift our spirits, to cultivate joy in your heart. Maybe today you, you say, okay, I feel like I have this joy in my life, but I have no time for others. I would challenge you to carve out time to give access to other people in your life, to let them see you and be nourished by your life. And I want to challenge us with this too. I find there's people in this room who are still lingering in sin, who are still just kind of sitting right in the middle of it, they, their eyes, their hearts, never been open to the things of God. I would encourage you, I would challenge you to submit to God, to be reminded that he is merciful towards you, that he has made a way for you, that he's pulled you out of destruction into his family. 
So as we pray today, as we think about the next year, the next few years of our lives, God has a mighty work planned for us. I want to challenge you and encourage you to join us in this work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you that you're merciful to us, Father. Thank you that you're near to us, Father. Thank you for making a way to us, Father. Father, I ask you to speak to our hearts right now. To make clear our steps, Father. to recount the good deeds you've done in our lives, Father, to show us how to cultivate a heart for you, Father, to prepare those around us, Father, Father, speak to us today. Show us your great love for us. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.